0: Hello everyone, welcome to the Texas Values Report. We're in the middle of a special session and you know Miller Lite, the beer of choice for the Democrats who went to Washington, D.C. had to say, if you got the time, then you got the beer. Well, if they got the time, then it's time for them to come back home. But thankfully we have with us a very special representative who will come to work every day for your Texas Values, Representative Matt Krauss. Representative Krauss, how are you doing?
1: Hey, I'm doing great. How are you doing?
0: Doing pretty well. You know, special session uh, is not as stressful as I thought it would be. It's stressful for a different reason. You know, uh, I'm not up there every day. There's not a lot of late hearings, but sadly that's because there aren't any hearings in the house yet. Uh, And so we're going to talk about that special session a little today. So the people really want to know What's really going on with this special session where everything's at a standstill because a, a bunch of Democrats went to DC and broke quorum?
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: you're exactly right. It's almost more frustrating that there's not stuff to do uh, during this special session because we can't. As you said, we don't have the 100 uh, representatives in the chamber that we need to make quorum so that we can be about the business of the people. And our uh, Colleagues in the, on, on the other side of the aisle, the, the Democrats chose to spend this entire special session up until this point in Washington D.C. Uh, fundraising, sightseeing, uh, misrepresenting uh, policies here in the state, and that that's been frustrating as well. But as you said, I and many of my other Republican colleagues are here. We're ready to work. Uh, we're doing work, even when it can't be necessarily official. But we're getting ready for things. Uh, and so once the Democrats come back, it'll it'll happen at some point. Governor Abbott will call another special session. Then we'll be able to get to the work of the people of Texas, the important work that we haven't been able to do this last month.
0: That's good, I think most of Texas is just on pins and needles. Actually right now, while we're speaking, there's a hearing at the national level of the oversight committee in Congress, where a few of the Democrats are actually testifying on this uh, voter rights bill in the special session. trying to portray it in their way and give their spin on it. But I guess people are wondering, uh, what can we do if we can do anything to compel them to come back and do their job?
2: Yeah,
1: if you happen to be a constituent of one of those Democrats that's uh, fundraising and sightseeing in D.C., uh, call their office. Tell them that you don't appreciate them not coming to work. Uh, tell them that they, they were elected to do a job in the Texas House. The only way to do the business of the people uh, of the Texas House is in the Texas House. And so, uh, again, if you live in one of those areas where uh, your uh, representative is flown off to D.C., encourage them to come back. Uh, And let them know that you uh, expect them to do their job because it's only right. Uh, I I get it. Uh, They don't like some parts of that bill. They're misrepresenting many parts of the bill, uh, which has also been frustrating. But they don't like that piece of legislation. But elections have consequences. And they spent tens of millions, upward to sixty five million dollars trying to take control of the chamber. The Texas people said, no, we don't like your vision for the future of Texas. We like what the Republicans are doing. That's what we want to have happen. And that's what that voter rights, voter integrity bill is in the, uh, that was its genesis.
0: Wow. So I just want to repeat and go back to that part. You're saying this is costing 65 million (laughs) dollars.
1: No, uh, the Democrats spent $65 million in November 2020 election cycle trying to take the nine seats in the House that they needed to take control of the chamber. Um, They did not net one seat in the House after spending $65 million, showing that the Texas people rejected their vision um, for where they wanted Texas to go. And so now I get that they don't like the legislation, but you don't just run away and hide and fundraise and sightsee. You stay there you fight even if you lose.
0: That's right. A lot of issues besides this voting integrity bill are being left on the table because they're leaving. Uh, I'm just curious because, you know, we have a set of rules or the House has a set of rules that they have to follow every session, whether it's special session or regular session. So just for entertainment purposes, just describe what is the House actually doing right now uh, that they can't actually have hearings or actually vote on bills.
1: Yeah, and, and that's a great question. Again, officially we can't do anything. And uh, I know a lot of folks are frustrated and they want to see rules changed and, and we do too. And, and several of us are working on rules changes that will uh, speak to this very set of circumstances in the future, but we can't put those rules changes in until we have quorum quorum uh, to do that. So what you're seeing the Republican caucus do is we're having briefings with a lot of the stakeholders, whether it's retired teachers, whether it's our public safety uh, sector on bail reform, whether uh, it's fair play for girls sports. We've had meetings with stakeholders there. Uh, we're doing that. We're having press conferences to uh, educate uh, and inform the, the public on these issues that we're not being able to take up. We're talking with uh, homeowners about property tax increases. And so we're working on, I, I filed a uh, gender modification bill similar to House Bill 1399 in the regular session, House Bill 166 in the uh, special session. I'm working with my Republican colleagues to make sure if and when the governor were to put that on the special session call, we can get that through this time. And so there's still plenty of work you can do, just not officially, not committee hearings, nothing on the floor. But we are still working hard for the people that sent us to Austin to represent them. We're just asking our Democratic colleagues to come home and join us in that effort.
0: Yeah, You know, we'll get to uh, the gender modification bill in a minute, but I think what you said is very interesting. It seems like the House is a captive audience. So if you are a constituent, if you're just a voter or regular Texan, I feel like this would be a good time for you to actually come and talk to your rep and maybe have that sit down conversation about these issues. So it seems like, you know, the time doesn't have to be wasted even if you're not testifying on a bill or there's not a vote, this is a good time to actually talk about these issues.
1: Yeah, Mary Elizabeth, you are exactly right. This is a, uh, this is a great time to come meet with your representative. And so if you can make it, if you can come down here again, uh, we're not allowed to leave the chamber unless there's permission slips, uh, <laughs> unless we're given those uh, by the speaker. But uh, I, I know my Republican colleagues and, and the few Democrats that are here as well would love to hear from constituents Um, and and be glad to talk with you about anything that's important to you. Um, And this is actually a great time for those conversations.
0: Great. That's great. So if you're listening to this podcast or you're watching our Facebook live and you happen to be in the area or you're on family vacation, just stop by the Capitol. This is a perfect time for you uh, to talk about these issues. Well, we talked a lot about special session and how there's kind of been a stall Uh, Because of that stall, a lot of issues have been left on the table, not just the voting integrity bill and not just social studies curriculum and even the chemical abortion bill, but also the issue of female sports. Of course, the Save Women's Sports Bill passed the Senate uh, successfully, but it won't make it to the House until the Democrats actually come back and there can be a vote. But there's also another issue that wasn't necessarily on the governor's call and that was the gender modification issue. And Representative Krause, you worked very hard on that issue in the regular session. And we had a very interesting hearing, uh, learning different things about the truth of what they're actually doing to children. And the truth was even revealed by people who advocate for these type of surgeries and advocate for the different prescriptions. So we learned a lot about the dangers and that they're, quite frankly, just mutilating children, quite frankly, giving them these dangerous prescriptions, sometimes without even really assessing what is going on with that child. And we know you're very passionate about this issue. So can you just talk about this bill that you filed in the special session and kind of how we're going to move forward on that issue?
1: Yeah, and, and that's a great point. Thank you, Mary Elizabeth. And Jonathan and everybody for y'all being there every step of the way, trying to push as hard as we could during the regular session to get that bill onto the House floor. But I filed it again. I think it's that important of an issue that anytime there's a special session from now until the next session, we're going to keep filing it until we get something done on it. Because I think it's that important. And like you said, I've been talking to Republican colleagues this entire special session, working that bill again. And there was some talk, well, could it pass off the House floor? Would it have the votes or support? It absolutely does. In fact, just on our co-author, joint author sheets, we've almost got 76. But there's quite a few and, and even some Democrats that are going to vote for that bill um, that may not be signed on to it. And so we it may be the most controversial bipartisan bill that, that we'll have had either in the regular session or the special session. So um, if you're out there, if you want to contact the governor's office to say, hey, it has the support in the Senate, obviously, it has the support in the House. Let's put that on the call so the legislature can tackle this very important topic. I think that would be great. The more the governor can hear that, uh, it can only help in the decision-making process. Uh, Be polite, be respectful, but just let him know that this is a very important issue to you. Not only is it important to you, but you know that it has the support in both chambers uh, to get to his desk. And I think that will help out a lot.
0: Absolutely. And, I think it was back in April where I wrote an article for the Daily Signal on this issue of gender modification and Representative Krause, you contributed a quote to that article. And I just kind of wanted to talk about your quote in that article. You said HB 1399 is an incredibly important bill to protect Texas children suffering from gender dysphoria from unproven and life altering medical procedures. You know, that quote is very powerful because I think that's the public perception of this gender modification issue. A lot of people agree that these surgeries and these prescriptions aren't really proven. It's new. And a lot of people don't agree with it. And you mentioned we might even have some Democrats uh, sign on to this bill. And I wanted you to talk a little bit about how sometimes even the other side is split on this issue and how there's kind of a fraction between kind of your traditional establishment Democrats on this issue and maybe even the younger, more radical members of the Texas House?
1: Well, this is definitely one of those issues where there, there are some divisions in the Democrat Party. On the Republican side, like I said, I pretty much have every Republican signed on to it. So it's nearly universal. But it's on the Democrat side where you do have some uneasiness and some concern. And even some of the more liberal members of the uh, legislature, take Garnet Coleman, for instance, out of Houston, at the hearing that you were just talking about, even he was expressing some concern and some doubt about subjecting uh, teenage girls to mastectomies and some of the other procedures that that go on. And so even, even like you said, the the diet in the wool liberals have some pause on this because we're seeing, even in other countries around the world, they're starting to go the other way. They're not uh, accelerating having these surgeries and giving children these hormones and, um, other, other chemicals, they're actually stopping it over in Sweden. They're like, Hey, no more, uh, puberty blockers for those under 16. Cause we just don't know the, um, long-term effects. Is their sterilization. Does it? bone growth. The, what, what does this do? It's not just a simple flipping the switch on and off, but there's some serious lifelong complications that could come from giving children these uh, hormones or these treatments so early. Even Great Britain, who was kind of one of the leading pioneers uh, of, of this entire uh, kind of gender modification movement, has pulled back the some. And you look at their website now, compared to just last year at this time, completely different in a lot of ways in terms of, you know, what what are long-term effects of puberty blockers? Does gender dysphoria lead to a greater instance of, of suicide and things like that? So it's an incredibly important topic. When you're over 18, when you're an adult, you know, make the decisions you want to. The states shouldn't. Uh, it's not going to stop you there. But there are so many decisions we don't allow. 17 and under uh, to make in the state because they can't think through all the consequences. They can't think through all the long-term effects of it. And so, especially when we're dealing with something as important as your gender or your sex or uh, your, your physical uh, sex, that is something that we should not be allowing uh, anyone under 18 to take radical steps to alter uh, who they are or have long-term ramifications. That should not be happening here in Texas.
0: Right. Absolutely. The research has proven that These children who start these puberty blockers very young or even have these surgeries sometimes grow to regret it. You mentioned Great Britain. There's a young lady in Great Britain who's actually suing doctors there because she grew up and she changed her mind about her gender transition. And she talks about the process of how she felt the psychologists and even the doctors didn't really help her or assess her as to what was really going on and that she was rushed into the process. There was even a 60 minutes special on this issue where you had several individuals (laughs) interviewed talking about how they detransitioned and they felt that it was very fast. One young lady talked about how she transitioned, then detransitioned in less than 18 months. And that's just how easy it is to be rushed into this process without actually getting maybe the counseling you need or actually getting all the information that you need, because these things have life altering consequences that if you start when you're young, you'll deal with for the rest of your life. And so you're very right that we need to have legislation to protect these children uh, who are very vulnerable and can be taken advantage of from these um, medical institutions that are making millions of dollars off of these procedures and prescribing these prescriptions. I did wanna talk a little bit about the strength of the bill and I believe your legislation is very strong. I believe the public perception really backs it, but we're seeing other states kind of struggling passing these bills or if they pass these bills, they've met some obstacles. Arkansas is one recent example of that a federal judge actually put a preliminary injunction on their gender modification bill. And for our viewers, a preliminary injunction is basically when you're in a lawsuit um, and the judge issues kind of a stop or a pause on a piece of legislation or law uh, until it is later litigated and settled in law. And so we're kind of watching this to see where this judge is going. Does he really think that the ACLU that sued uh, to take down this gender modification law if they are actually going to have merit in this case. And I just wanted to see if you thought so. And some of their claims that the ACLU is making. And since you're an attorney, you're very familiar with these things. They're saying that it denies, you know, 14th Amendment rights. They're saying that it denies parental rights by due process. And I just wanted you to talk a little bit about why Those aren't really strong claims. And if we can see that type of trouble in a court in Texas.
1: Yeah. First of all, uh, you can pretty much find one district judge, one federal district judge to do what you want them to do, no matter what state you're in. So the fact that one federal judge found this was wrong, my guess is they were appointed by. Uh, a Democrat president at at some point. That's who they were nominated under. Uh, Could be wrong there. But uh, even in Texas, every time we have a pro-life bill or religious liberty bill uh, or voter ID bill, we know we're going to get um, some federal judge to strike down that law, put a preliminary injunction in it, because you find liberal activist judges all across the country. So the key will be when it goes to the Court of Appeals, do those do those arguments make sense or hold sway? I I don't think they will, because again, in Texas, there's a lot of things that we do not allow children 17 and under to do, whether their parents want them to do that or not. Um, And so I I don't think you're going to find an infringement on parental rights because the state has an interest in saying there's just some things that a parent can't do before the child is 18, especially when it's irreparable or lifelong or could cause harm. Um, And so I I don't think that's going to hold weight. I don't think the 14th Amendment due process uh, claims are going to hold merit because, again, this is a policy rooted in just protecting children from making lifelong uh, decisions that they may come to regret later on. That's a pretty sound policy basis for instituting These types of uh, these types of laws. So um, does it surprise me they found a federal judge, the ACLU found a federal judge to put a preliminary injunction in? No. Do I think that that's going to hold up as it moves through the process? I don't. uh, And I hope not. Uh, Otherwise, we've got more problems uh, than than I thought. But it should be pretty common sense to everybody that. Children 17 and under don't have the ability to think far enough ahead or understand the consequences and ramifications of their decisions. We all kind of know that, especially on something as important and as irreparable as gender modification. I think that's where the courts would say, whether we agree with it or not, the state has an interest in uh, regulating that, that area.
0: Very good. The ACLU files a lot of lawsuits, for those of you who are listening um, and like Representative Kraus said, and he's an expert in the law, so he knows that these claims probably won't stand at the appellate level. But we're very hopeful of our bill. Uh, we're hopeful. The governor seems very supportive of this issue, and it seems like we're going to have more special sessions in the future. So it definitely could be on a future call. There have even been rumors or talks of some other type of action. But we're definitely rooting for Representative Krause's bill. Uh, to move forward. And we're thankful for other legislators as well who have supported this issue, Representative Toth and um, others, uh, Senator Hall and um, Senator Perry, Uh, a lot of members have come together on this issue, but we appreciate Representative Krause's uh, dedication to this issue. Um, and just his uh, vocalization of the importance of the protection of children. Now, I just kind of want to end the session. You've talked a little bit about what you think will happen in the future with this special session. Uh, any predictions on what will get done? And I know there's probably not a prediction on when the Democrats will come back. You know, maybe after they're uh, showing in DC today, they'll finally come home. Uh, you know, I think they have to make money. You know, they still have real jobs and they have families and everything else. But just as far as, you know, how many special sessions we have or what will actually get across the finish line? uh, Do you have any thoughts that you would like to share on that?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I think they're pretty committed to staying in D.C. to August 7th when the first special session ends. So I would be surprised if they came back before then. Governor's already said he's calling a special session August 8th uh, to start the next one. Uh, I think they'll be back for that one. I think we'll get things done that we get done done uh hopefully gentrification and others but we'll see what gets done and then we'll come back in october if there's any leftover issues we have to tackle at that point as well so i think august 7th uh they're gone till then they'll be back back sometime in August, we'll finally have, we'll start getting some things done, um, election integrity and other things. But um, I'm actually gonna head down to the chamber right now We'll gavel in at 11. And so thank you for uh, the time uh, and thank you all for your work, keep it up. And it's always good talking with you.
0: Well, thank you for joining us on the Texas Values Report and thank you for your work. All right, I'm going to hang on for a few more minutes just to make a couple of announcements. Uh, for Texas Values. Of course, we have a lot of work that we have to do in this special session and beyond. Uh, But at the same time, we're having our policy forum September 24th through 25th. We have a lot of great speakers lined up. We're planning to have entertainment as well. Uh, In the past, we've had speakers from the president's administration. We've had Supreme Court justices. We've had many people in the faith, family, and life Uh, front, come to our policy forum. So please get your tickets uh, to attend this year. It'll be a great forum. It'll be just like previous uh, policy forums where we have half a day on Friday, a full day on Saturday, implementing different speakers through different panels, and you don't want to miss it. So be sure to get your tickets for that. Also, if you want to learn more about the heartbeat bill, our president, Jonathan Sines, was on a global uh, network EWTN, which is the global Catholic network, talking about the heartbeat bill. He was interviewed uh, on that show. So, if you have that station EWTN, be sure to check it out. But you can also go to their website to watch that uh, interview that he did on the Texas heartbeat bill. And it's very important to learn about this bill because, as we talked earlier about lawsuits, Planned Parenthood has filed a lawsuit against the heartbeat bill. So please stay tuned on what is happening in the pro-life front. Now, we feel very confident about this heartbeat bill, but you definitely need to hear this interview by our president to know more about that lawsuit. And as he says in the interview, it's probably just a publicity stunt. But there's a lot happening in the pro-life front as far as the Mississippi case, uh, whether or not Roe v. Wade will be overturned in the next Supreme Court session, Uh, So we're making a lot of gains in that front. All right, Texas Value supporters, we are entering the second part of our radio show and we wanted to bring in a special guest, our Texas Value summer intern, Maddie Kohler-Williams. Welcome to this part, Maddie. And tell our supporters where you're from,
2: uh, where you go to school, what year you're in. I'm from San Antonio, Texas, and I'm a junior at Trinity University. That's good, so what is your major? I'm a political science major with an economics minor. And how did you hear about
0: Texas Values, and why did you decide to intern with us?
2: Um, I'd seen y'all's voter guide, and that led me to y'all's website, and I'd been on your emailing list for years, and then I was deciding what to spend my summer doing, and I couldn't think of a better organization to try to be a part of. Wow. That's interesting. People
0: are always asking for our voter guides and who knew it would lead to an actual internship at Texas Values. So I wanted you to talk about, you know, some of your favorite moments at Texas Values, but tell our members, you know, our supporters and even people who might be interested, what are some of the things you've been able to do at Texas Values in your internship?
2: Absolutely. Probably, I guess, the most... Um I've been able to go to the Capitol several times during the legislative session and then the summer session. It's been really cool to see y'all in action and what y'all do. Um, I got to go CPAC with Texas Values, which is my first time attending, and got to help out at y'all's booth. I um, also got to, I guess, visit the Supreme Court with y'all um, and meet Justice Devine, which is a really cool experience. And then I guess also get to help make that scorecard legislative guide for the summer, which is really fun to be able to help with.
0: Yeah, that's really good. I'm glad you enjoyed all those things and she's being a little modest, but Maddie actually testified at a hearing. You know, we're always telling our supporters that it's important for your legislators to hear your voice. But Maddie, who's actually a college athlete, and she can talk a little bit about that, was able to testify for the Save Women's Sports Bill. So tell us about testifying in front of a committee.
2: Absolutely, it was definitely a little nerve-wracking, but um, being with Texas Values, I did feel comfortable doing it, and it was really great to have the team there and to kind of guide me what to um, how I want to present myself. And it was awesome being able to actually be a part of that legislative process. And as you said, I did I play tennis at Trinity University for two years on the women's tennis team, so it was cool to be able to um, take something from my college years and apply it to this internship and just the real-world experience.
0: Well that's great. We're glad you enjoy your internship at Texas Values. We have more summer interns as well and we told you about Greg who went on to law school after being an intern and an associate with our organization. So your support helps create great interns like Maddie and we're just thankful for Maddie's work and your support for having her. But as always, we just are always grateful that you're tuning into our podcast, tuning into our Facebook Live. If you can support our organization, we're a 501c3 organization. We appreciate any support that you can give. You can go to email info at txvalues.org to learn more about helping out our organization. As always, check up our website, txvalues.org, and have a wonderful weekend. And thank you for tuning in to the Texas Values Report.